Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the hosts and their guests. Well, I guns, my life being free. Because I'm armed, you can't take that from me and you should know it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 234 of New Shooter Canada. Tonight, I'm your host, Thomas, and with me tonight, I have Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? Good evening. We have Josh. Hello. And we have Mike from Ottawa. Hey. I don't don't know why I threw that in, Mike. I don't know why either. (laughs) And later in the show, we also have an interview with my friend Jason Phillip, and we're going to talk about shotguns, specifically uh, over-and-unders, and what is ideal for if you get into competition shooting. But until then, uh, who wants to go first? Josh, you've got a lot written. Why don't you go first? All right. Well, um, yeah, actually, this is probably the most I've done in guns in a while. (laughs) We actually have three topics to talk about, but I'm going to let Amanda kind of lead on some of that. Um, We did five stand, as we alluded to on the last show. We did that last Sunday. So that was, or well, two Sundays ago. So that was was awesome. Um, But she can kind of talk about that. Um, We all actually got to meet each other last Monday. That's pretty Mm -hmm. awesome. Except, Except Mike. But he's far away, so I understand. But we can let Amanda <laughs> talk about that too. Um, today, I went to my first ORPS match at the Huron Fishing Game. That's where we were doing the five stand. Um, great group of guys, and I found out they were doing uh, their own version of an ORPS match. Uh, they tried to follow it as closely as possible. Um, I guess every month they post uh, a monthly uh, course of fire. So they tried to follow it as closely as possible. They didn't buy the actual Gongzhou kit. They made their, or they just collected their own uh, steel targets and tried to get them as close to size as possible. Um, they didn't have a 75-yard target, so they put it out to 100, but they changed the size. So they just kind of, kind of made it as close as possible to the to the uh, course of fire. But it was it was pretty good. Um, it was mostly non-members, which I found was surprising. Um, there's maybe half a dozen or so people that showed up and, uh, they seem to kind of all know each other from the different club. Um, I went on my own and I didn't really feel like going and nobody else from my club was, was able to go. A bunch of people were working, so that was fine. Um, the first stage went okay. It was a know your limits shooting from a step ladder. <laughs> it was kind of, kind of awkward. The first, the first, you had to shoot from four rungs of the ladder. The first uh, three rungs were okay. You're standing and two kneeling. And then you had to go prone for the last rung. And it was just such an awkward height. And it was it was quite interesting trying to get in those positions. It's really, it's one thing to have an idea in your head on how you're going to do something. But then when you actually like go to sit down or go to kneel and try to actually do it, it's a lot different. Um, but that one went okay. But the whole range was was full of ice. So after my first line, I was just, you know, I was just strutting back from the line and walking towards the little pavilion. And I just completely went out over tea cart and totally on my back. My rifle went flying and uh, totally embarrassing. <laughs> Are you all right? So I, I'm OK. The only thing bruised was my ego, I think. And uh, it totally knocked my rifle off zero or my scope off zero. So for the rest of the rest of the shoot, I was about, I don't know maybe two feet to the left <laughs> they were really they're really good about trying to like fit me in to w- whenever someone was shooting like it wasn't a very wide range they were doing uh, a left and a right um group 
and going through the stages, uh, they let me kind of shoot while other people were shooting at like the 25 yard target just to try to recenter my my scope. And I, it was just a lot of pressure and I was trying to do it while everybody else was shooting and I, I never quite got it back. So it was just kind of a, a disaster moving forward. I was trying to compensate and I actually got two hits after that for, for some reason. Like I just... I just was able to to hold over and, and do that, but um, it was fun. I had fun, but it was kind of disappointing that that happened and embarrassing. But at least I had an excuse for not doing very well. But uh, uh, the stages were kind of neat. Um, the second stage was uh, milk crates. You had to go on top of the milk crate or between the milk crates at 50 yards. Um, three was a saw horse at 100 yards. Uh, four were uh, through tires. They had some tires set up, and you had to go on top of a tire, in between the tires, um, and on top of the tire again. So that was kind of neat. And a, a tank trap at 50, 100, and 200 yards. That one was tough because you you couldn't advance to the 100 yards of the 200 until you got the 50. And I probably could have hit the 50 if my scope was somewhere near zero, but I just wasted all my 10 shots at the 50 and didn't hit it. So well, that you, was what caliber were you shooting? 22. It was all 22s. Yeah. So... No, it, uh, it it was a lot of fun. It was it was good to try and a good group of guys and and uh, I'll definitely go again. I need to re zero my rifle, but uh, you know it was it was it, the biggest thing was trying to get in those positions. Like I think you would have enjoyed that, Thomas. You're kind of like pretzeling yourself and getting way down on the ground. Some of the older guys didn't want to do it, <laughs> so it was it was all for fun anyway. So they just kind of modified it to everybody's comfort zone. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that was my that was my morning. Well, getting down is not the problem. Getting up is the problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just I, I found it interesting, like how different clubs have different different rules. Um, you know, it's a little bit different than our club. Like they have a, a chamber flag rule. Um, so you have to have a chamber flag in when you advance to the line. And um, it was funny when I when I fell, I actually broke my chamber flag off in the chamber. Oh, <laughs> so no. luckily. Luckily, somebody had a had a cleaning rod, and I was able to jam that through. And then I had a little multi tool in my bag, and I pulled the little piece of plastic out of there. But yeah, it was quite the disaster. But uh, I don't know. Everybody all remember me now, I guess, for next time. Yeah, <laughs> well, you will you be stayed. known. Because sometimes people get mad, they get upset, and they just leave. But you stayed through the whole thing. It's what you should do, right? Yeah, and, and I just want you know, to try. Th- it. Things happen, and yeah. And, and I thought, you know, at least I'll get the practice, you know, shooting from those positions, right? Even if I had no chance of hitting it, at least I, I went through the motions, right? So, and I, and I probably could have borrowed somebody's gun, but I didn't know anybody else. So I didn't really feel comfortable with that. If I was at my own club, I would have just, you know, assumed another rifle. But I just, <laughs> I didn't feel comfortable with that at someone else's club. So. Oh. I just imagine you sitting at the rifle rack, being like, "Today I will take your rifle." Yeah, pretty much. I would have. I would have. Ooh, done I like that. that one. Yeah, if I was at my own club, I definitely 100% would have done that. <laughs> but there was there was some nice gear there too. Like, I'm I'm there with my my $300 A22, and there's just I don't even know what they were, but there's crazy chassis with the with crazy bipods and, and adjustable cheek risers and like the pull and just these wacky guns that were probably, you know, $2,000 setups. <laughs> well, the Rimfire Precision League is really popular these days. So I'm not yeah. surprised yeah. you see a lot of nicely uh, tuned rifles at the range these days, 22s at least. Yeah. 
you know, the, the ammo is cheap to go and shoot, but people are spending thousands on their guns. So Yeah, but I feel like I feel like any competition you get into, if you want to get to I won't even say the top, but if you want to get serious about it, a lot of the competition, you know, you're usually spending, you know, north of two thousand dollars for a high end get yeah, just like well, just like our conversation, or well, I guess you'll hear the conversation later about uh, over and under shotguns, right? Like the sky's the limit on price. Stop riding your time machine, Josh. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, the guys that were like they were shooting two hundred, shooting two hundred yards with rimfire, and they were consistently hitting the target, and it was just I don't know, it was like a probably a three inch little steel gong, like it oh, was wow. crazy. So yeah. I mean, the money spent is obviously working. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, as long if if they're getting a return on the money, then I mean, then it's, it's you could say it's worth it, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hitting something with a 22 at 200 yards requires quite a bit of skill cuz you have to figure out your wind and your drop and everything else. So, yeah, it's, it's such a small projectile to and it gets bounced around, so. Yeah. 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 Well, that was it was so, quite the experience. I'll definitely go again. Okay, so what about you, Amanda? Uh, did you get to the range? Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> I had actually spent about two months planning uh, a special surprise drop-in birthday party for Josh. So uh, And it was totally a surprise. I didn't see anything coming. I was totally stunned when I walked in the door. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I thought he was catching on, but he definitely did not. So, so he's not as was, smart as we all thought? I guess so. <laughs> no, you don't. You did, oh, so I'm fooling you pretty well up till now, eh? Oh, there you go. So, but the, the whole concept was for everyone to come and do what Josh loves to do. So, uh, and we actually had an amazing turnout, I thought. And uh, lots of people wanted to try who hadn't shot before. And I expected a couple people, but I thought there would be more like our regular shooters actually shooting. But it, it was very strange that it was all these new people who wanted to shoot. So um, so all I did was shoot about five rounds out of my rifle just because I noticed some rusting. I wanted to make sure that everything was working okay. Uh, and then the rest of it was just teaching newbies. So, um, it, you know, it was interesting to take the reins and be a teacher rather than a student. Um, but it was fun watching everyone get excited I was exhausted though, because I, I, how many, I think it took eight people through, nine maybe, uh, to, to walk them through how to use the rifle and, and shoot the targets and give them about, I think, 15 shots each. Yeah, and we had Range, range Rental Thomas doing his job. Yes. Which poor, was awesome. Poor, poor, poor Thomas. I didn't get to shoot at all. <laughs> oh, and I'm so sorry about that, Thomas. It oh, was... I still had fun, but you, you can. I had, I had fun anyway. So. Well, I'm glad you did, but it was that wasn't how I wanted things to go. I but... really, I really wanted to try that Dan Wesson, and I didn't get a chance to try it. No, exactly. I, I left wasn't... it on the bench, and I went out for a cigarette. Your, I, I know. Said, Help yourself. Lots of ammo. I, I know, I know, and I wasn't planning on so many people being there to try but i'm glad that they did though because it and we also had um um like wanda and george came as well which was really awesome to see and they're actually went for a tour so i got another one of our executive members to give them an actual tour and talk about membership because they are considering joining so that was really cool they spent um, a lot of time in the outdoor range those two yes they did they shot on the outdoor range so I mean, um, other than that, so 
The only thing I noticed that my scope I think is a little bit off. I was still quite level, but I'm veering off to the right. And so, and considering everybody shot really well, was hitting um, well on the paper, but it was the same thing. It was always off to the right, just, just slightly. So uh, we'll have to take a look at that and I'll have to bench it and, and take a look at that again. So thanks to Maple Seed for learning how to do it properly. But uh, anyways, uh, but Josh and I also, as he mentioned, we went to the Huron Fishing Game Club about two weeks ago to try out the five stand shooting. Um, so I had a member named Bill who walked me through it all and I did hit a couple clays. So I was pretty proud of myself. I, the, I, what was the one guy's name that reminds us of Chris? Do you remember what his name was? I can't remember. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, goodness. He, so he told me that he shot his first time. I think he only hit four clays his very first time. And I hit out of 50 and out of 25 I hit four my first time <laughs> and six the second time so I thought I did I hit 10 total out of 50 clays I thought I did pretty good so considering it was my first time but yeah this uh, gentleman named Bill walked me through it all and even though I was having a, a couple malfunctioning issues sometimes they gave me a chance to try it again because it was a gun malfunction um but and he was also giving me some tips and tricks um to try and hit my targets. So it was pretty cool. Well, and, and when you're number one spot, you're not supposed to know what's coming. It's the surprise position, right? Because you're going to be the first one experiencing the menu, right? So yeah. they were actually telling us what they were going to be. Well, the we're one in the I, number one spot. Well, the well one that's I, nice for them. Yeah. Well, yeah. the first time, yes. But then my second round, I told him oh, he no. Didn't, he didn't tell you? No. I, I okay. told, no, he asked me if I wanted to know, and I said no, because I didn't think that was fair. Yeah. So, you know, as much as I was getting treated nicely for some of the malfunctioning reasons, I didn't want to be the one that, you know, someone's being disgruntled over. So I wanted to uh, be fair anyway. But I was having a couple issues uh, with some light strikes. I almost felt like the chamber wasn't closing all the way. So I had to kind of hit the... Um, just hit it a little bit more to kind of get it nice and closed so did, did that work it, it did work but and i mean most of the time it chambered too fine but i would say once every uh maybe it was every other maybe it was every other where we were switching around i was having to uh, like call it again it wasn't uh it wasn't very fun <laughs> when that was happening but i mean nobody wants a malfunction but a it was minus 18 so it was really really cold b we did give it a pretty good clean but i don't think we cleaned the 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 trigger pin at all or any of that area so. I, will, I will point out that today my a22 outperformed the ruger 1022 so i just will say that did it was good yep <laughs> <laughs> the guy who had a semi-auto, he couldn't he couldn't get through a round, and my A22 just had no issue at all. Oh, that's good. Except getting flung through the air, but that's yeah. another issue. <laughs> <laughs> that's more of an with... operator problem. That, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but getting back to the shotgun, though, again, this was the first time I had put any real 
um yeah, it's the first time you used in, it really in, in, like you, yeah i shot you took it to the range and, you took it to the range and kind of blew a few rounds through it when you got it but yeah that but it. that was the first time i've ever put yeah. and I, I recall thomas saying you need to do at least a good 200 rounds through it to really get it going so well yeah and the one guy at the range was saying yeah you should get some three inch buckshot and just like do a whole box and just you just run through it just <laughs> run through it which i think i yeah. intend to do as well but so I think it just needs to get clean. I want to go and try again anyway, and we'll see how that goes. So I know Josh wasn't having much luck with his shotgun either. It, no. Like you said, it wasn't The 1100 wasn't, wasn't cycling. At all. No. I was getting the first shot off, and then, yeah, it wasn't extracting all the way, so it wasn't loading the second round. But you weren't having issues like that before. It was... No, I, I blame the cold, I think. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm going to I'm gonna clean it, put a new O-ring in it before the next time we go. But yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. So, I mean, it was a lot of fun, and I'll definitely be doing it today uh, again. But I know, uh, and I'm hoping tomorrow, but I don't know about you guys, but this last week has just been a show. So I've just been feeling off. It's been a crazy week, lots of stress. And uh, in my industry, it's uh, RSP season. So this is the last of it, the crunch time. So I've put in a lot of extra hours this week. So well, I think I you really, I think you really would have really liked the uh, ORPS shoot this morning. Oh, I'm sure I would have, but I was not in a good place for, to be doing that. I probably would like. Yeah, you're not in a good mindset. You're not going to shoot no, well. No, exactly. So, what about you guys? What are you up to? Well, I'll go. Um, I didn't do much shooting this week. Actually, I didn't do much shooting last week either. Sorry. I brought uh, I brought my Dun Weston nine millimeter and I brought my Smith and Weston twenty two A, and it was like being at work because I. <laughs> and Amanda goes, oh, I got a couple of ladies would like would like to shoot. Would you? Or was Josh? Which would, would like to shoot with these two girls? And I turn around and these two very excitable, very pretty young ladies. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're just they're just bumping right. They had so much excitement. Well, I'm sure you would. I'm sure you wouldn't mind taking them out to the range. That's why I kind of hooked you up there. There you go. They were, they were very nice young ladies. The fact that they were cute didn't hurt matters at all. They're, <laughs> they're adorable. But they're, they're very nice. They, they do have practical experience. I guess, was that their dad that was there with them? The older gentleman? Uh, that was Brittany, the redhead. That was her dad. Her dad. So they have had some range time together. Um, they'd shot 22s before, but they hadn't uh, shot uh, center fire, not the 9mm. Um, I didn't have to do very much correction. They were they were spot on. I think once I told Brittany to take her finger out of the trigger, but that was it. They they did very well. They listened, which is why I like having female students because they listened very well. And the feedback was they had a great time. So oh yes, they did. So but see, when I had then I had the the young man come in, and of course you know the same thing. You finger out of the trigger to your action, and I had to tell him several times. But his muzzle control was good. I'd say finger off the trigger, finger off the trigger. But the girls I only had to mention once. The young man I had to correct a couple of times. But they're new, something new to them. But that's what I miss about work because it's it's so fun doing it. The excitement that I get off these kids was just phenomenal. And, and watching you watching you do that was awesome. Like I was standing there watching, and you were such a good teacher. I really appreciate it. Oh, yes. no problem. I was having fun though because they're they're getting all excited and and I'm getting and I'm I'm enjoying doing it. I see I'm sharing the excitement with somebody else, and now they're talking about getting the firearms license, which is fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. yep. And I so really like twenty. Really like that twenty two you had there. I got to try that. That was the only shooting that I did. I shot five rounds out of your twenty two. 
Um, I had to ask you how to do how to release the mag. I <laughs> couldn't find the mag release on it. <laughs> I usually I, I usually have to tell people because when I first time I ever fired a twenty two way, I couldn't figure out where it was either. Yeah. <laughs> But that one's nice because it's got the that is a special uh, a tallow edition. So the yep. distributor tallow went in and they put on the extra fancy grips and they put the uh, stainless steel barrel. Uh, that one actually has a trigger job and it has a, a couple parts that the standard one. It's got a steel trigger. It's a nice shooting gun, but I think it's, yeah, it was really nice. And the and the red dot too was interesting. Oh, I, and uh, before I forget, thank you, Thomas, for the penguin. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> well, that was another thing I was going to say. I also, um, I brought my, my knives up because, you know, we've talked about getting, finding a knife to fit Amanda because she's got shorter fingers. She's got, but she's a taller girl and the clothes that she wears. So I brought my knives up so we could find something that actually fit Amanda correctly. And yes. uh, she needed a knife, so I gave her my penguin. Yes. I had no idea I'd have such a stabby birthday. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's what I did. And I, I told Josh that the knife that I won from Canadian Cutting Edge, I told him, I, no, I asked him for his mailing address and postal code and everything else. I had no intention of mailing it to him because I knew I was going to see him, but I couldn't <laughs> say anything. <laughs> but the actually for a budget knife, it was actually a nice little knife. And Jake put a beautiful mirror polish edge on it. So be careful. I love it's pretty it's sharp. Awesome. The, uh, there was one guy there with uh, this morning with a, with a Mark II and it wasn't extracting and his cases were getting stuck in the chamber. I actually lent him my knife to get the, the case out. And he, he's like, oh, man, this is sharp. I almost cut my finger off. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, never do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have broken <laughs> tips with several knives. Damn. Usually that's the you know, Gerber's where I've tried. I've, I carry a little tool in my bag just for extracting those shells. Yeah. I, I, two I, nice well, I do too. I've got a cheap, little, a cheap little Cabela's multi-tool that I usually would use for that, but it was just, I was standing right there and timing was perfect and I could just flick it really quick and it was, like, it was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Show off. I uh, uh, see what else. Um, and then today, um, I actually recorded, I'm one of the co-hosts now on the Niceman podcast. I got Shanghai. So were you, were you on today? I saw it went live. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was on today. Um, originally, when they asked, they asked me to be an admin, and I said sure, because I, I, I got a message from Paul one day, we, we've been watching you. I guess they watch my comments and stuff and my interaction with people. So they asked me to be an admin. I said, sure, okay, I'll be an admin. And you just basically just filter stuff. If somebody wants to join the group, you just go through, just make sure it's not a, not a fake account, that they're you know like like-minded in several areas. And if it looks, you know, if there's warning signs, if it's a fake account, don't accept them, stuff like that. But uh, then they asked me to be a co-host in the show. And I got kind of excited because Parminder, I've actually known before. Uh, I've known Parminder for a couple of years through shooting. And uh, we've been trying to get him together with him, actually take him pistol shooting. But as soon as what they were doing, they I just thought we were going to be working with all of them. But once we went on, Parminder left and Dan's now gone. They were looking for replacements. Oh no! I'm like, no! I wanted to record with Parminder because he's got to collect. Everybody else has production knives like Spyderco, Benchmade, not Parminder. He doesn't have any budget, no production. All his stuff is high end custom stuff. Like the average pocket knife for him is a thousand, fifteen hundred. He just bought a sword for four grand. I'd like to have his budget. He's got some beautiful things I was looking forward to seeing, and now he's not on the show. 
I'm sure he'll pop on once in a while. He said he said he would come back once in a while too. So right now we've got uh, Riley, who's been on the show before. He's good friends with Paul. And then we have Elton, who is uh, I've never met Elton before. So we had, uh, the show went well today. Yeah. It's, so I'm not used to doing find, the video. I was just gonna say, how did you find being on the on the video? I don't know. I didn't watch it. <laughs> well, we're we gonna watch it. it. And that was it. No, I'm not gonna watch it. <laughs> I looked I at it briefly, and I could see, oh, okay, I, I need some light here. My my face is in the shadow, so I might put a light up if we do it again. The advantage of it is that you've got live interaction with your listeners. That's awesome. But it went well. It went well. I think we went an hour, hour and a half. And I've already got guests lined up. I lined up. Uh, we had Jake from Canadian Cutting Edge in our show probably uh, 2019 when I got back from the SHOT Show. So we're going to do a budget knife episode, and Jake is probably the most qualified person I know for a budget knife because that's all he reviews. So uh, actually, I asked Jake to come on the show, and he watched some of the, the videos, and he, he was kind of hesitant because he didn't recognize half the names of the stuff. Because, like, you know, as I said, Parminder's pulling up these, these custom knives, and some of these knives I've never heard of. And uh, Jake felt a little intimidated when he watched because he wanted to see the program first before he came on. Yeah. And I said, said, don't worry, those guys aren't even going to be on the next show. They're gone. I said, don't worry about <laughs> it. You know, fancy knives. I said, most of us all have product, you know, production knives. We all have budget knives. I said, most people, when they go out to buy a pocket knife, they don't spend more than 50 bucks. They want the best bang for their buck. And I said, you're perfect. So he's he's a little like he was a little comprehensive, apprehensive, but now he, I'm, he settled down. So he's looking forward to it. It's just weird doing the live stream. I can only imagine that being a live stream or even recording would be a little more tedious. But, uh, you know, if you get one of those uh, lights, it's a special ring light. You can mount it. It'll give you because you can choose the type of lighting it usually has a couple different settings to, to get the proper lighting based on your situation in that moment. So uh, I do recommend one of those just for. I've seen I a lot of Instagrammers use them, and and anybody. Who oh yeah, does. they sell. Well, they're meant for, they're meant for cell phones, right? So you put it well, your yeah, selfie exactly. stick and stuff. But yeah, they're the right color too. Because I have some lights, but I don't think they're the proper uh, color for video. Yeah, I want to get one for myself anyway, because I I want one. <laughs> you see Terry to do your makeup before the show. Hey. Well, I never last. I was looking not too long. Walmart had a kit. You could get the light and a selfie stick. I think it was fifty bucks. Oh, but wait. apparently, the one of the Dan who's who's leaving too. He's got a couple of extra web cameras, so he's gonna send me camera for free. And I've already got a decent microphone. So. Oh, wicked! <clears throat> my my suggestion was uh, oops, there we are. Lost in, lost my voice for a second there. My suggestion would be to them was to record a few shows and just do the live stream. You know, like every couple of months to get people involved, but uh, that's not how they want to do it. They want to keep it live and be interactive all the time. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, totally. But if we want to uh, record uh, reviews or any videos that we we want to put together ourselves, we can just put them on and put them on the YouTube channel. So that's something maybe we should uh, think about New Shooter Canada. Yeah. Yeah. I totally see that. So what are we were talking? I was going to say, what do our listeners think? Do they think that they would be interested in watching a live episode on a Saturday night, or are they busy Saturday nights? You never know. Mm-hmm. But... That's, the th- that's the thing, too, because I, I think that's one of the reasons that the, the other two hosts left, because they record at 2 o'clock on a Saturday. 
Well, most people are busy at two o'clock. So I said, and if I go back to work, forget it because I, I have to go to work. Yeah. And Terry's not really impressed. I'm spending the whole day in, in my bedroom talking to my computer. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, wow. And the dog was whining because he had to be created. So, but that's, that's about it. I haven't done, I haven't heard anything from work yet. The restrictions are lifting. So hopefully we'll get the rentals back. I don't know if the owner wants to go through that again, but I'm hoping so. I'd like to get back to work. I'm going stir crazy here. What about you, Mike? What have you done in guns this week? Well, I haven't done nearly as much as everyone else has. Um, I did help. That's unusual. I helped uh, Sarah post her 1911 up for sale. Um, I don't know why we were just going through the safe. Probably when we went to the i match and she kind of saw it and said, like, why do I have this? And I said, I don't know. And she's like, I only shoot MMPs now. And I'm like, okay, then sell it. So I uh, helped her put that up on CGN. Um, just uh, talking with a friend about reloading. So uh, kind of going through all my reloading supplies because I really should start my reloading for the year. It's actually really late for me, but uh, I was just going through it all and seeing what uh, what bullets, what primers, what powder, all that kind of stuff, what I need. I'm, I'm actually pretty well off. I just mostly need bullets for this year. So that's that's good. Um, and then outside of that, I tried, to t- I tried to take my 610 the revolver to the gunsmith to get it cut down for uh to make it idpa compliant uh but i get there and there's a paper note on his door shut down due to covid opens next week great oh man so uh, now i gotta wait another week or two and then i gotta go another att get and... another att and do that whole song and dance and see how it goes and hopefully my second trip will go better this time so when i went last time like the whole point was that like Sarah and I, we went, we were going to drop off the gun and then do a bunch of shopping, you know, go far and work our way back. Well, because of this, we had to come home and drop off the gun and it messed up our whole day. So I was like, all right, well, unless we're going to be there at 10 AM when he opens up, I'm giving him a call first this time, make sure he'd actually open. So that's good. Yeah. Idea. Yeah. But I mean, you know, how, how do you really account for that? Right? Like I didn't know he was going to, it's not like he knew specifically what day was coming. So he couldn't have told me. So, you know, it just, a uh, unfortunate circumstance and it's just unfortunate that he lives there that he works so far away from where i live so yeah but yeah that's 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 pretty much about it so i'm just waiting for josh to ask his question that i'm waiting for so how's the rucking going mike (laughs) (laughs) so josh posted he's been busy yeah i know josh has been doing amazing he's killing it me me i'm just dying over here apparently (laughs) um Well, it's okay. I'm too behind too. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. It's okay. I'll just ruck for everybody. It's yeah. fine. Back <laughs> is fine. All right. Well, my defense, you know, I was haven't been feeling well, and it's been somebody crazy. was planning a birthday party, so that's a big excuse. That is a great <laughs> excuse. It was an amazing excuse, and I still managed to to plan it and still go rucking with you. Just this last two weeks have been. A show, honestly. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm at a point where I really want to do it, but I'm either physically exhausted or. Well, it's mindset too, because yeah. you know, like I was, as Amanda said on the last show or two, I was kind of miserable and not fun to ruck with on the last big one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like today, like today, I was feeling good and and I was in a good mindset to do it, and I was able to, 
to really plow through and I, I, I went pretty far and yeah. it's just, if you're not in a good headspace, it's not going to be fun. You're not going to do well. So you might as well wait till you feel good about it. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. But no, I, I feel like it's more of a paralysis thing for me right but now. You're, but you're only two behind. Someone else is five behind. I know. So I, know I know. And I am two behind, but I, it's literally the whole, I feel anchored when I think about it. I'm like, uh, the 45 wouldn't be so bad. I just got to get it done and over with. But then now it's the the 45 and the hour and a half. I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Ugh, I got to do this at some point. Yeah. I, I, I will. I'll get the two done this week. I yeah. have to. Yeah. So, or, or Josh is going to, because you can hear him, he, or he's texting me probably every couple hours. <laughs> yeah, over the last, at least the last three days. Yeah. Did you go for a wreck? Did you go for a wreck? Did you go for a wreck? Fudge. No, 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 no. Not yet. My phone's dying. I guess I yeah. I can't track it if I uh, if my phone's almost dead, right? So yeah, no. I I've, I've fallen off the bandwagon, but I I will get back up. Yeah. Because you've been doing so good, Josh. And he's actually lost some weight too, so it's really cool. That's good. He's, uh, I'm very proud of him. <laughs> yeah. So he's doing well. Yeah. Okay, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I. I do have my my excuses preloaded here for you, Josh. So after okay, run, a- run them off. Let's go. Let's All right. Go. So after the last episode, I had the week off, and my plan was to do the rucking one. The kids were gone. I had full on intention that I was going to go do a ruck on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and that was going to at least catch me up. And I figured, great, that'll shut Josh up at least for a little while. Um, <laughs> Well, then Sarah tells me after the show, she said, oh, um, her gym is doing a special thing for Valentine's Day, which is on the Monday, and it's you can bring your spouse with you for free. And that also happens to be the same day that Sarah has a personal trainer. So she's like, oh, you should come with me. It's free. And you like, you know, if my personal trainer's cool with it. You can come do the like my training session with me. So I'm like, yeah, sure. OK, so we'll do that. OK, so I skip Monday. You know, but we're still going to do Wednesday, Wednesday, Friday, right? Yeah, okay. That's the plan. So I go to the gym on the Monday, and I get my butt whooped by this trainer. Oh, man, I am just dead. Um, (laughs) A year of going to a personal trainer for Sarah, man, it had done her wonders, and I it shows that I have not been working out at all. (laughs) Um, I was so sore, I couldn't walk normal for about a week. So that pretty much took care of me running on Wednesday or Friday after that because I couldn't walk. That's Jeez. true. That's so, true. So was he had your squat like a hundred squats or what? Uh, I was I was doing some sort of squat pull thing plus ropes and running on spots and lifting weight. She so that was part of it that I and I realized afterwards I did not work out properly for the type of exercise that they were doing. And what I mean by that is I, when I worked out, I would go to the gym and my focus was how much can I lift, which essentially means every time you're trying to like push up that bar, you're giving it 110% because it is, you know, you're, you're, you're going to break if you don't kind of thing. But their workout was more like, uh, I, I equate it more to like when I was doing sports, like football and hockey when I was younger. It's more about endurance. And like, you don't give it 110% every time. You only give it 70 because you got to do it three more times. Otherwise, you're going to burn out and die. Well, I burnt out. That's pretty much what happened. So, so yeah, so that took care of that week. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I got to get at least one ruck in. I got, you know, the next weekend was the record, like was today. And the plan was, I'm going to go ruck today. Once again, at least I can say I did something. Well, 
Sarah had a great idea a while back that we should try skiing with the kids. Great. I haven't skied in a while. Well, I sit there, you know, a couple of days before skiing. We went yesterday. Um, and I realized that I haven't skied in two decades. Oh, okay. It's been a while. Um, so we went skiing and my daughter loves it. I mean, I have, I don't know if I've ever seen her this excited about anything. We had a four hour pass and I had to drag her off that hill. She wanted to keep going. She, Excellent. She loved it. And you know what? I am ecstatic that she is so passionate about it. We stopped, At one point she said, I'm hungry. And I literally gave her, anyone who has kids know what a bear paw is. I gave her a bear paw, one sip of water. She's like, all right, let's go. That was it. She didn't want to waste any more time. She didn't want to warm up. She didn't want anything. She just wanted to get back on that hill. And that's what we did for four hours straight. And guess what happens when you're as old as I am and you're not used to skiing and you spend four hours straight on a hill? Well, I woke up today and I couldn't walk. (laughs) And you know what? After and you know what? Probably after we're done podcasting, after sitting here for two hours, I'm probably going to have a hard time getting up the stairs. <laughs> I don't blame Be- you. Could you at least have worn a backpack while you were skiing? I wore a backpack the entire time I was skiing. My okay, my good. so I I have a Samsung watch. I don't remember exactly the model of it, but uh, if you're consistently active for at least and my it is brutal you have to be constantly active for 10 minutes before it will automatically start a workout cycle and if you talk stop and take a break for 30 seconds it goes nope we're starting the clock again my watch detected over two hours of me working out yesterday just in the the four hours of skiing that's awesome. So I, I, I got to work out. A lot of active stuff. Yes, you were yeah. working out. It sounds like you got your butt whooped in a different way. But none of it counted. Exactly. That, that's it. I, my <laughs> butt got whooped twice and none of it counts. So. <laughs> and it sounds like it's all Sarah's fault because she was the catalyst in all of this. You know what? I like your thinking, Josh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play the blame Sarah game. No. <laughs> It is- and I bet you Leela's not feeling anything at all. She just wants to go back out and go skiing again. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, she's probably ready to go again. I yeah. we dragged, yeah. I had to drag her off the hill because we had to take her and literally get her home. Sarah had to run in the house, get her changed, and then run back out so she could go to tap lesson. And then apparently on the ride home, she was saying to Sarah, can we go skiing now? Like, can we go back now? And she's like, no, we're not going tonight. And she's like, can we go tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like we'll wait and see how everyone's feeling today tomorrow of course she wakes up can we go skiing today and i try and get out of bed nope we're not going anywhere <laughs> oh no oh and i well, should add on to that i should actually add on to that so i plowed the driveway with the tractor today and she wanted to go for a tractor ride she didn't understand that i can't just drive around the lawn like i can in the summer with it because there's like you know a foot and a half of snow all over the lawn um so she's like oh can we go for a walk in the forest sure why not so I don't know how long we spent, probably an hour just walking around. And I say walking, it was a mix of walking and crawling for me. Because when you're trying to follow someone who's only like three and a half feet tall in a forest, they can walk under a lot of things that a six foot tall person can't <laughs> casually walk under. So there was a lot of walking and crawling. So trust me, I got my workout again today. So yeah, I, I feel like I've been exercising, which technically was the year's goal like the new year's the new year's resolution goal was to get more exercise so i've been hitting that just not in the way that i thought i would be getting it you can you can tell yourself whatever you want to but none of it counts i know 
Fonzie little minx over here. You know what though, Josh? I'd be saying the exact same thing if I were if the roles were reversed. So you know what? I don't blame you at all. I take it with strides. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so you're you're finished throwing Mike under the bus, okay, Josh? And you're also the only NSC host that did not attend my birthday, so. I'll just throw that into. No, I will also say this. You're not allowed to do that. Hey, hey, federal employees do not have families and do not get family day off. Oh, so we get to blame Trudeau? Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Or whoever made Family Day not a federal holiday. So there, that's that's the excuse. You're you're also the very much farthest away, so I don't hold that against you at all. Yeah, I think it was what? How how many hours is it? Six. Six hours? We have to look it up now. Like two so, hours yeah. and 20 minutes from my place and you're four yeah, hours. Yeah, Thomas had a heck of a drive, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm so glad you made it. I wasn't expecting you to, Thomas, but when you said you were coming, I was like, oh, my gosh, I get to meet him finally. Yeah, you've met everybody now, right? I've met everybody, yeah. yeah. And good. Benny came, too, Yeah. MD. And... Yeah, it was, I couldn't believe it. Like I, I was shocked enough that it was even happening, and I walked into the club with my sunglasses on, and I was like, oh, I need to go to the truck and get my regular glasses. So I go into my truck, and all of a sudden I see this truck pull up next to me. And I look through the window, and it's Wanda. Wanda's getting out of the truck. And then there's George. <laughs> and then all of a sudden this this minivan pulls up. That's Thomas. What is going on here? <laughs> Jeff, Jeff was there, too. Jeff Bell showed up. Yeah, yep, Jeff. Yeah, you got to meet Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we had lots of people come and lots of kids. Yeah, fun oh, drooling over your nice. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I missed that. Yeah. Denny's little new daughter. I, I've never seen. I, I even forget her name. <laughs> She's adorable. Her oh little son Zevi's a sweetheart, but the little girl is just adorable. Oh, and she just had a ball, just making snowmen and outside with MD, just playing in the snow. Just yeah. It was, it was nice to see the kids. Oh, totally. It it was a lot of fun. And my boys were technically with their dad, but they wanted in on this, and I'm so proud of them all because they all kept it a secret. I can't for believe a month. that. That's the biggest oh, thing is that month. nobody, none of the kids let the secret out of the bag. I can't believe that at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The kids ate all the gun cookies, and I got ripped off. I didn't get a yeah. gun. Cookie. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even get one. It was my birthday. I didn't even see one. <laughs> I only saw the pictures after. <laughs> oh man. I, yeah. I did share one with Terry, but the other one I ate. I did eat the uh, the Happy Birthday Josh cookie, and I gave her the Target one. Oh, very good. So, oh, so no, now, they... now, that we, now that we finished throwing Michael under the bus for not attending the party and for not doing the ruck. <laughs> Can we think of anything else? Hang on. Let me think. Hang on. I, I mean, I'm sure there's <laughs> other things that I've done that deserves. Like, if you want, I can go go get Sarah. I'm sure she's got stuff for us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to She can text us a list. Come on. We can ask Lila, but she's probably sleeping. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, to be continued on the mic bashing. Yeah. There okay, so this week's topic, um, Josh was looking at a over and under Turkish shotgun for five stand. And I thought we'd bring uh, my friend Jason Phillip in because he's a uh, say world renowned, but he's he's a very knowledgeable shotgunner. And we brought Jason in to uh, talk over and unders and a little bit of semis and a little bit of fit and finish. So without ado, uh, we'll just introduce Jason now. Okay, tonight's guest is Jason Phillip. We haven't had Jason on the show for quite a while. How are you doing, Jason? Very well, thank you. Now, for the listeners that aren't aware, um, you're, um, what's your level of trap shooting? Like, Zero. What, 
<laughs> Zero? I, I was a sporting clays guy for a long time. I've spent about 20 okay. years uh, doing that. I I have done trap shooting and skeet shooting and, and most of the clay target sports. But um, my I was a sporting clays guy. I held uh, positions on the board for the Canadian National and Alberta Sporting Clays Associations and, and shot most of the clubs in Alberta and uh, all the clubs in the North Island of, of New Zealand and uh, was able to participate in a couple world championship events. And I say very heavily on the participate because I wasn't good enough to be a true competitor, but I was there carrying the flag uh, a couple of times and it was uh, a learning experience and certainly been um, a hobby that'll stick with me for the rest of my life. Whether I, I don't shoot much competitively at the moment. Um, I've got young girls who are old enough to realize that you go away and spend a lot of money and they're not quite big enough to do it yet. So we've kind of backed Needless off on to the say you're, you're, side. Needless to say, you're very knowledgeable on the tools required to, to compete in the game, especially the firearms. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, okay. they, they are changing all the time, but yeah, I got, I got comfortable by being able to shoot above my station with people of means and got exposed to some of the nice stuff. And I got to shoot some of the plain stuff. So I got a pretty wide, pretty wide experience with the different shotguns available. Well, the reason I wanted to bring you on tonight is because uh, both Amanda and Josh are relatively new shooters and they're looking at shooting five stand. So they're looking at, at shotguns for competition. Now they, uh, Amanda just bought her first shotgun. She's got a, um, a Canuck 12 gauge. Uh, she loves the gun and Josh has been using his old 1100 with fixed chokes and they've been suiting them fine for hunting and, and for starting. But now they're looking at getting uh, an over and under. And Josh recently sent me a picture of uh, one of the Savage. So one of the Turkish made ones. And I kind of sort of said, no, 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 don't get it. Not for the fact that it's not a bad firearm. Like for hunting, it's it's perfect. You know, it's, you can get in the, into the field, a nice gun for, you can get what, $700, Josh, on sale or 800 Yeah, it was $800, $799. Yeah. But they're both, I think they're both planning on using the same gun for for the game. And the problem is it's not designed for that. And then the, the, the dynamics is, is that Josh is right-handed and Amanda's left-handed. So now you're, they're, they're looking at something they both can use at something that may not be suitable. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to explain to them why, why I'm saying that, like why that particular gun may not be good for the, uh, the clay game. There's really two, there's two big problems with the situation as you present it. Number one, the actual fit of the shotgun and how it fits you matters more than any other factor with your success in the game. Um, it, it is more important than than your your lock speeds, like how fast it is from the time you pull the trigger to the time the firing pin hits the shell. It's more important than your weight. It's more important than your balance. It's more important than your barrel length. It's more important. Well, it is length of pull is a big factor in it, but the the way the gun fits you is the the most important factor when it comes to clay target shooting especially if you're shooting five standard sporting um if you're shooting trap i'm not knowledgeable enough about the trap game and 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 the nuances that make it perfect to to know how much fit matters other than it has to be consistent all the time if you've got a left-handed and right-handed shooter you're both going to have to compromise and have subpar equipment now, the, there are things you can do to get around it. You can have, <clears throat> excuse me, adjustable combs on shotgun, but I don't recommend moving them left to right. Once you find the way they fit, it really is a good idea to lock them down and keep them there. So what you're going to try to find to do is find the least worst you can get that'll fit your both and fit your budget. 
Now, if you buy this Turkish shotgun and you have a lot of fun with it, and you both start to enjoy the clay target sports, you have to think about what the gun was built for and what you're doing with it. Now, hunting loads, of course, are far less recoil and less, uh, pardon me, far more recoil and and heavier loads than a target load. But when you shoot clay target competitions, trap shooting specifically more than more than sporting or, or skeet, but you can shoot a thousand targets a day on a big day of competition. It's going to beat up your gun. So you have to be pretty careful in buying a good quality gun if you're going to be serious about the competition. I'm not saying the Turkish guns aren't well built, but they're not built to handle thousand target weekends, let alone thousand target days. Makes a lot of sense. Yep. And they're not that's really not, repair. It's not really where we're at at this point, but I understand your point. Well, it, it's it's like any other addiction. It yeah. starts <laughs> it starts easy. My first year clay target shooting. I bought um, a little red book and I marked down every target, every mile, every restaurant I went to, every meal. I just kept I kept really, really close records of where I went, who I shot with, and the money I spent. And at, at the end of the first year, uh, it had, in, in less than a year, actually, a year of the first calendar year I shot, I was up to $4,000. And I threw that little book away and I've never wrote it down again. I was going to say, I'm oh, good, good idea. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd be scared to see how much money I spent on travel and matches and everything else I do, too. But the funny thing was, though, I never I never missed the money. Like, it never – it what it became what I did as, as my fun. These were my friends. So rather than going to the bar to play with my friends, I went to the gun range to play with my friends. And Much healthier. Cab, you know, well, cab fare is a lot more expensive than a gun. Yes. And it's healthier. Yeah. So let's put things in perspective. You enjoy the clay target sports and you're shooting primarily five stand now, right? That's what they do at the club that we're looking at. Yes. Yeah. And, and how far would you have to travel to go shoot trap skeet or sporting clays at another club? Uh, half an hour. So easy, right? Yep. So the odds of you getting into another clay target sport after this one gets easier or boring, or you've, you've won enough buckles and championships and ribbons that you want to try the next one. Your guys are in Southern Ontario. There's lots of trap clubs in Southern Ontario, right? Yes. Yeah. So if you buy a cheap shotgun, that's not quite the right shotgun, the odds of you having to buy another one within 12 to 18 months are pretty high. Right. And from what I'm saying, we're going to have to buy two anyways, because we're going to need a left hand and a right hand. You can't, so here's, <laughs> yeah, yes, you will yes, eventually, yeah. especially if she starts to beat you, you will definitely want to get a better gun that fits better. So, the, you know, no, 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 then we're just doing frequently. Then we're just doing a right hand so it doesn't fit her so well. <laughs> <laughs> Make it more difficult for me to figure it all out. But then when I start beating his butt, then he's going to be crying in the corner. So, and, and, and that's, that is so often the case where, um, somebody that a is trying to overcome an obstacle or has something to prove or is more naturally inclined inclined to learn from other people with arguing without arguing they're going to improve much much faster especially in the clay target sports but let's get back to the what makes them special and different do you have you decided that an over and under is better for you than a semi-automatic and if so what made you choose that well i think I think the only reason I'm looking at it is number one, I was having issues in the cold. I'm, I'm, th- I'm blaming it on the cold. I wasn't right. cycling. Amanda was 
cycling most of the time. You had a little bit of issue. I yeah, I did have. Now it's a brand new gun. I barely yeah, had fifty so, shots through so it. So there's but, that in it too. That it's a new firearm. Yeah. My, mine is well broken in, yes. but I was having definite. I, I think I don't think I cycled even once. I was just getting one shot off. So that was a big disadvantage. And I and and looking at everything else that was there, um, there was a couple of pumps. There was maybe one other semi-auto. Everybody else had an over/under, so that tells me something there. That okay, this is obviously what people choose to do this particular game. Now that's that's true, uh, but motivation is 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 why. So I I the same as you. My first shotgun that I owned was a Franke 500. Um, it's it was the, it was truly the cheapest uh, firearm in the local buy and sell paper on the day that I bought it. Right and. It was, it's a, it's a, it's built for hunting waterfowl and in less than 12 months of clay target shooting. And I was at that point, I was shooting 200, 200 targets a weekend, every weekend. And in less than a year, I wore it out to the point where it had to be dismantled and rebuilt. Now, was it wrong that I bought the cheapest one? No, it got me into the game. But if I'd bought a better one, I wouldn't have had to spend the repair money. So my right. next shotgun that I bought was a Browning Superposed. Now, the Superposed is not the first over and under shotgun ever built. It's just the first commercially viable one of wide distribution. Um, over and under shotguns were, um, first one I could find when I did a little homework was uh, designed by a company called Woodward in, in the early 1900s. But I, I have heard that they go back, that Greener actually had them in the 1800s. I've never seen one, but Greener is one of the old English shotgun uh, manufacturers. And and there's no real reason that they didn't take off. They weren't tremendously more expensive than a side by side, but they weren't the they weren't the new hotness until uh, 1923. If I remember correctly, the John Browning patented the superposed shotgun, which superposed two barrels, one on top of the other, is why it's called that. Um, <clears throat> but he never lived long enough to see it hit market. His son Val uh, brought it to market in 1931 for the North American market. And that's when the over and under shotgun really took off. I got an, a, a 1950s model. It was old. It would come from an old bird hunter. And I probably shot 10,000 targets before I spent any money on it repairing it. Wow. And... I had it repaired, and I don't think I'll ever wear it out again. Like I'm never going to shoot it enough. They are so robust. So but they were the they were the old technology. Yeah, we've come for, we've come a long way since then. You had a question. Here, here's a, here's a question. Why why over and under versus side by side? Um. Well, that, I was going to ask you that. Why would you pick one over the other? Now I I know why I pick it. Well, I What's I honestly do? don't I honestly don't know because. I didn't see any others at the club. It was only over and unders, and that's why I asked. Because to, to well, me, in my in my novice view, I don't see a difference. And, and you're you're that's close. a good point. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. So the over and under shotgun, pardon me, the, the the side by side shotgun. As far as I know, there has not been a major technical technological advancement in them in over two hundred years. Like they achieved the closest thing to design perfection. 200 years ago like they went from two triggers to one but the barrels aren't better they're different but not better the choke the choking systems on them are changeable now where they weren't 200 years ago 
but the amount of choke you use for hunting and clay target shooting are different. So fixed chokes are, you know, a fixed improved cylinder choke will do 90% of the clay target games. You know, it, it's never perfect, but the chokes help by inches, not feet. People miss by feet, not inches when they miss a clay target. So the reason that people go for the over and under is they have a, in my opinion anyway, a, a narrower sighting plane. So you, it feels like you're more precise. You only have one sighting plane, one, your barrels are stacked together. They, they have the same point of aim, point of impact. Whereas side by sides, they're, you know, obviously they're side by side. Yeah, you'd be compensated for the extra width of the extra barrel. Inches, not feet, right? But you yeah. miss by feet. Every, every inch counts getting there. Also, your over and under shotguns, your forend, what you're hanging on to, is more, far more often more robust. So if you've ever looked at some of the old side-by-side shotguns, your forend is not much more than hanging onto the barrels themselves. In it's a, a little modern splinter, little splinter forend on them. And that's what they're often called, is just a splinter yeah. forend. But in a, on a modern side, uh, over and under, you have everything from the from the Broadway trap guns, which is a big meaty piece of wood that has lots of weight to to absorb recall and recoil, sorry, and to get momentum when you're swinging left or right on targets, to some very very slender forends like the the high end Beretta shotguns, and especially in the smaller gauges, the 28 gauge SO6, I think, was the probably the mm, the most like a race car I've ever had for a shotgun. Like it was so light and nimble in your hands. Also cost considerably more than my car. <laughs> but, but but the 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 feel of the hand for the control required to play competitive shotgun games, I think is better for an over and under. You also have um, a more robust action. So you're either your side locks or your or your box lock shotguns. There's just more weight there, which allows them to be uh, longer lasting. They absorb the recoil better. They mitigate the recoil, the felt recoil. Recoil doesn't change with the weight of your shotgun, but the way it feels in your shoulder absolutely changes. The other thing, too, is when you have your barrels one on top of the other, you've brought that first shot, which is normally your, your bottom barrel is normally your first shot, further down on the axis of the shotgun. So the recoil is more into the lower meteor part of your shoulder there again not changing the actual recoil but changing the felt recoil so, so i why, think it's a better i think it's a better tool unless you're all the first shot um your bore axis is a little bit higher on your first shot and your bottom shot you're much lower to the bore yeah your recoil your felt recoil is is less uh, there's less flipperosity I think I think I remember that term from Mr. Furlot. I like that. Um, (laughs) That's a long, long ago Canadian podcast term, the flipperosity. Um, The the bottom shot also is normally if you have fixed chokes, a more open choke than your top choke. So you're going to shoot the target while it's closer with your bottom barrel. Okay, so you're running different chokes on each barrel. Mm -hmm. I tend to, yeah. I found too when I was when I was trying the double. The side by side when i when i'm taking my shot both barrels are still in my sighting plane so i've got this tiny bead and i'm trying to lock that but but my peripheral vision still sees those those barrels so i'm actually sometimes i'd be actually blocking my target depending on my swing so having your 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 thomas thomas, plane right thomas, on- thomas 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 if, 
if you're looking at your shotgun barrels, you're going to miss your target. You need to look exactly. at the target. <laughs> exactly. But I could still, but, even though I'm looking down the ribs, I could still see the outline of the barrels, and it was very distracting. Yeah, and and like I said, that's they call that the sighting plane. Like your the width of your sighting plane is different, and I truly do prefer a narrower sighting plane. The other thing is too is if you're going to, um, in my last years of competition, the high rib shotguns became real popular for the sporting games as well. Well, you've never ever ever seen a high rib on a on a side by side shotgun. Correct. I've I've seen that in the Olympic shooting. What is the purpose of that high rib? Um, it can well. What's the purpose of the rib in general, or what's the purpose of the high rib? The high of uh, the high rib, I'll say. The high rib changes. Um, I mean, if you look, the high rib is what you're what you're looking. That's where your eye. That's your plane of sight, right? Yeah, that, that, so that, that's changes, your line of sight, kind of. Yeah. So that changes your your body mechanics and your and your geometry of your body. So you can you can shoot in a more heads up um, posture. Your head doesn't have to come down on the gun quite so far. Um, depending if you're wearing glasses or not, that changes the angle. Some of us old guys have progressive lenses. That makes a big difference. Um, the high rib allows you to have more, um, I forget what the proper term is for it now, but in trap shooting, when you have your shot dispersion, your point of aim versus point of impact, are you 80% of your shot pattern over your point of aim because you're shooting a rising target? Kind of like cheating, but not really. I mean, it's just using the, Using so like, the shot pattern to your advantage. Yeah, well, that just like you know, with a handgun or a rifle, you just adjust your sight to you know, so where you aim is where you actually hit. That's just pretty much what you're saying, right? You're just you're just adjusting right. your sight, so you're looking slightly under where most people would think they should be aiming. So right. That, so that so if you have that high rib on your shotgun and you're shooting a crossing target rather than a rising target, you're going to see daylight. You're going to see that whole target. And you're going to have that, there's going to be daylight between the top of the barrel and the target itself. Okay. On my old Browning superposed, if I'm shooting a crossing target, like the bird, if I'm shooting a rising target, I don't see the target. Okay. The barrel yeah. obstructs the view to the target. I, the, on, a, on a rising teal target, I will shoot, I'll bring my gun up beside the target because otherwise my barrel will block out that target completely. Okay. So I'll be shooting one side or the other of the target. Okay. Hmm. So the the raised rib is just a matter of us. It. It's your sight. Your rib is your sighting system. Mm-hmm. It's body mechanics. What allows you to shoot more comfortably, longer, with more accuracy. Is and that... by having that, go ahead. Uh, no, you finish. No, by having the the high rib, it gives you more option for your built-in lead. I guess is probably your best way to to describe it, especially on trap shooting when you're always shooting a consistent angle of target, right? Yeah. Now, Olympic trap, you're not as consistent because that the angle of, of up, your elevation angle changes. But in uh, American trap or what we shoot, ATA trap here in Canada, that angle is pretty consistent. Like It's supposed to be exactly consistent. Yeah. So you that raised rib is a massive I advantage. I don't feel like on the five stand that we were shooting that that would be an advantage because they're always coming side to side. Uh, the, the, your, your advantage though is your body mechanics, right? If you're having to to really cr- – some people really feel the they have to really bend forward to crush their cheekbone to get that consistent um, uh, consistent mount position. Right. And it's in that – if you have that high rib, it allows you to stand a little taller and a little so more you easy. A, get a cheek riser and a high rib, and then you'll feel more comfortable. That's the theory. Yeah. That's where you go back to fitment, right? The better it fits, the better you will be. 
Gotcha. Now that high high rib is that something that you can add on to? Like if you already had an existing over under and you want to add that on, could you do that, or is that something that like nope, you just go buy a new shotgun with a high rib on it? Well, if my wife is listening, you absolutely go buy a new shotgun. Okay. <laughs> They are available aftermarket. Did you hear yes. that, Amanda? <laughs> <laughs> so no, J it's JB Weld is your friend. Well, and that's actually that gets to be that that's an excellent comment because ribs are tend to be silver soldered on. Having people who have the ability to silver solder the rib on without having the barrels come apart, like we're talking some master gunsmith work to get a good one. Mm -hmm. Or you get the mechanic ones, the mechanical attach where they where they drill and tap and screw them on. Okay. Good to know. And and they come adjustable. Like like I'm sure uh, Thomas can tell you if there's a gun part you want, there is somebody out there who will build it and sell it to you. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's always someone who will build it and sell it to you, but the question is for what price. And, and, it, and does, it make, does it make sense or should you just go buy a new shotgun? Obviously, the answer is just go buy a new shotgun. Well, not not necessarily, because what you tell me what makes an expensive shotgun. And uh, what's the what's the price that makes a shotgun expensive? I I honestly don't know because I don't I don't shoot enough shotgun to really know what makes a shotgun a good shotgun versus you know, obviously, say, you know, better materials, you know, it looks better or something like that. But like if you started talking about what length barrel makes a better shotgun or angles or high rib versus low rib, like, I, I mean, I'm just learning this now why the high rib is better. So, well, I, I'm going to I'm going to shoot so much money because they seem so simple compared to a rifle. Right. It's just like a barrel <laughs> and, a, and a hammer. <laughs> you know, right? it's, it and, seems and it's more simple. So you can buy, and I think I've seen Connect shotguns on sale for less than three hundred dollars. I know I've seen Remington pump action shotguns for less than four hundred dollars. But if you're going to buy a competition shotgun, unless you are actually somebody taking advantage of you, up to about ten thousand dollars, you will get a better shotgun for every dollar you spend. After about ten, twelve, fourteen, somewhere in that range. You're only getting a prettier shotgun. Okay. But you can legitimately spend up to $14,000 on quality without an ounce of pretty to it. We're talking plain wood. We're talking blued barrels. We're talking a bead at the end, maybe a gold-plated trigger. But the, the gun is not going to be a work of art. Now, if you get into real money, like Thomas money, um, <laughs> <laughs> you can oh, yeah. go... Uh, I'm going to tell you a boss shotgun, top of the line boss, 114,000 pounds, British sterling. Holland and Holland. Thousand pounds. Holland and Holland. Oh, my God. Yeah. Holland and Holland give you a matched pair of Royal Deluxes uh, for 250,000 pounds if you buy the used set. Jesus. Like I'm thinking, that's more than I spent an, on I, my first house. I would love a oh. nice English side by side, actually. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, Thomas, if you want to uh, do yourself a favor, get an American one. Get a Fox. Yeah. They're All back the in production now, aren't they? Well, I'm talking about trying to find an old one. But sure, yeah, I think they are back in modern production again. But the the American shotguns, I don't understand why there wasn't more of them made. Um, the Remington 320, 3200 series, 
Excellent. Careless. Yeah. Yep. Never, ever caught on. Never commercial success. I held one, tried it out for a month, uh, went back to a Beretta, but I, I regretted not buying it. Like I really regretted not buying it. Um, if you get a, uh, a Ruger, Ruger red label. If you for can a, find one. <laughs> for, an entry, for an entry level shotgun. And as long as you don't mind shooting 26 inch barrels. Cause I don't think I've ever seen one longer than 26. I'm sure they're out there. I just haven't held one in my hands. I've never heard of anybody wearing one out ever. Hmm. And I know guys that use them for clay targets and for hunting. They're just a, a good, robust, a robust shotgun. CZ's got a, has one that I, I have not shot either, but they have a good, the it's, I think it's called a redhead and they're a, they're a reputable entry-level shotgun. Those are actually Turkish made by Hugo, I think. Are they not? I think so. I think yeah. so. But but again, they've got a reputation of being reasonably good value for money. But I still think that if you're going to spend the money and you're going to take this sport up, if I had to do it over again, I would probably own half as many shotguns as I own now. Because I would have I would have bought one and instead of flicking and flipping and flipping, I would have waited till I got the good one. I'm not sure if you there's a there's a young young family in Brandon, Manitoba, uh, in the trap shooting community of Lamonts, and uh, I know the dad when the kids turned to 16 or 18, I forget which. Uh, Robbie and his sister, one got a brand new car, and one got a brand new Parazzi, and uh, Robbie's still selling the Parazzi. They were the same price on the day, I'm pretty sure, and Robbie's still shooting the Parazzi. And if you want to buy that Cavalier, I'm sure it's available for a lot less money than that Parazzi today. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But the other thing you're talking about uh, when you mentioned, you know, getting in the the old um, Browning rebuilt is uh, serviceability because a lot of these the, the more modern firearms are, say, for example, the modern Brettas or the Brownings. They are meant to be serviced. You can replace yes, the pins, 100%. the trunnions. You know, if it wears out, you can take it in. Uh, Browning has a little more hand fitting, where the Brettas tend to be more of a drop pin, from what I understand. But, you know, so it's a little bit more expensive getting a Browning service and a Brenner, but not much. But it's all serviceable. Um, I've seen some of these, uh, some of the Turkish ones where it's the, the pins are just built in the frame. And once it's worn, that's it. <laughs> it's it's toast. So it may last you a hunting career, but it won't last you a season shooting because you won't be able to get a repair. Exactly. My, my last over and under that I bought. And unfortunately, my wife heard me say that this gun was good enough. I never needed another one. Oh, yeah. Don't say that. They never forget. Right? right? <laughs> Until the I next a, one comes out, though. Well, see, I brought a 682 Beretta. That's I, a nice I, gun. I, I will never need another shotgun. Like, it really is all the shotgun that I need. Now, it doesn't stop me from buying more. And there are better ones out there now. Like, the new DT-11 is a better shotgun. But... I bought mine from a guy who bought a DT10, the previous model. That's if nice I'd had the, if I ever had the six thousand dollar difference in what what it was that between what I paid for the six eighty two and what he stole his DT10 for, um, he he preferred the the six eighty two. He just wasn't willing to swap back even Steven and I didn't have the extra money. Um, but it's good. Benelli's got the eight twenty eight U, I think it's called. Yeah, that's sleek. I've not shot it. I've held it. It swings beautifully. It mounts lovely. But can you really go wrong with any of the um, Satori-style shotguns that Browning has made for the last, well, going on 100, almost 100 years now? The Satori or the, the Brett of Silver, you can get a, a used one in really good shape for 
half price. They go on, they, they list for what, 29? We, they go on sale for 21, 22. You can pick up a used one for 15, 16, depending on the shape. You can get older, like this, um, 525 Brownings. You can find them, you know, 1200 bucks, 1500 bucks sometimes. We've got so, a, we, we had a Winchester 101. It was loose. It needed servicing, but it was beautiful. It was, it was $990. You know, you're going to have to put $500 worth of work into it. Quite so often you don't get – a lot of the old Winchester 101s had either only one changeable choke or fixed chokes. They're probably all fixed chokes. A lot yeah. of the older ones we get in are all fixed. And if you're going to be shooting five stand, I mean, I I am very fortunate that I shot some, some really long targets when I lived in New Zealand. But I rarely saw any targets that were further away than, a, than an improved cylinder would get. I tended to use a light modified choke because the gun I had came with two extended light mod chokes and one IC. So I would, uh, I would shoot improved cylinder on the bottom or skeet on the bottom and light mod in the top. And that's, that's, I put them in and left them in. And the only time I would change them is if something was really, really close, then I would go to skeet chokes or, or cylinder chokes. But for most of the targets that we see presented in, in the clay target games in Canada, improved cylinder is, is where it's at. Because we don't have a big enough shooting population, we don't have enough elite shooters that they can they can design competitions for elite shooters. They have to be designed for all the shooters, which means they have to be a little bit closer and a little bit slower. So basically, what I'm getting is semi-autos are really not opportune. Over-unders are more ideal and basically whatever dollar you spend you're likely going to get more quality with that so that like, that would be a pretty good assumption except now if i showed up to shoot clay targets in competition against you tomorrow i'd yeah. bring a I'd, I'd bring a 391 beretta semi-automatic yeah. okay i've switched i switched over for one a little sentimental reasons um i got it from a guy who i knew who doesn't shoot clay targets anymore and we shot against each other for a lot of years and and it's kind of a hat tip to him that i use that gun um for competition but i like it because i can hand it to anybody and they can you know if they're having if they're struggling with their gun i can hand them this gun tell them that it's going to work know that it's going to be going to work and it takes all the second guessing out of the person and their firearm because you you've given them one that's going to work. And the three ninety one that's that's that's, an, that's the inertia model, isn't it? Uh, no, it's gas. Technus it's gas. gas. Okay. Yeah, three ninety one Technus. And um, they come in all sorts of fancy wood. Pla- mine's plastic that looks like wood. Um, anodized, blued. They're they're the three ninety one um, shotgun. It comes in in a lot of different models. I highly recommend it. And Amanda, I don't, I don't think we've met before, but you don't sound like you're very big. Uh, sound... I'm actually five foot ten, and and I I carry myself well. Okay, so, so you uh, so I would recommend it because it's very very light recoiling. If yeah. if you if recoil's not if you don't care about recoil, then you've got lots of options. My I bought. Um, for my girls, um, my oldest daughter will be 5'10 shortly, but my youngest one's not. And and I got them a Beretta, not a Beretta, sorry, a Browning double auto. And the reason I got that is it's it's got a big spring in it that soaks up a bunch of the recoil. 
and it's a little bit oddball. So they, they always knew which one to shoot. They didn't catch on to it. They didn't like it that much, but I like shooting it. That's the, the two shotter, right? The two shot double auto. Yeah. The problem is yeah. you cannot get changeable chokes in those. They're not a real good competition gun. If you're the kind of person that swaps them out all the time. Um, yeah. so it was one of the few shotguns that I sold. Uh, but there's lots of things to think about. Barrel length is, is not as important as you think. Uh, it's a psychological play more than anything else. The, the trend, the trendiness was to go to 30 and 32 inch barrels. I've been beat by a guy with 26 inch barrels as often as I've been beat by a guy with 34 inch barrels. It's, it's, it's really how it fits you on the day. Well, you know, sort of, you've got a shotgun that, that you really like. So when, when you got your, your Canuck, did it come with shims or spacers in the box to, no. to adjust your stock? No, I don't think so. Okay. Because that's, that's another thing you can do. You, the, if you want to just use it, what you have, you can actually adjust your shotgun more to fit you. Yeah. And there um, should be somebody at your club who, if they can't fit it for you or to you, they can recommend somebody that does. Yeah. Money spent fitting that shotgun to like you're not going to wear out that Canuck in your first year or two. So rather than replace it right away, unless you get a screaming deal on something, save your money and get a good Browning or get a good Beretta or Parazzi or Blazer. If you can find a Blazer, you'll never regret that. Well, she um, got a screaming deal on the Canuck. That's why she has it. She got a really good yeah, deal on it. So she's happy with that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so I'm going to recommend you. You get somebody who is who is qualified to fit the shotgun to you, and just like you do with a maple seed, you add padding, you add, you add whatever it takes to get that gun to fit you, okay. and then do whatever you can to make those changes as permanent as as you are. Like one, of, my weight fluctuates quite a bit, so I have a big deal with with the on my 682 is got an adjustable comb, so I move it back and forth as my face gets fatter or thinner. That's okay. it works good for that. But we have a couple of guys in Alberta. I mean, they they use Bondo and 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 silicone, and they build up the stock of their shotgun. They break it down with a rasp, and then they just paint it with a brush because it doesn't affect anything about how the gun operates. Okay. If you're not, it's it can be a fashion show. Yeah, shotgun no, shooting I, I can absolutely be a fashion show. Well, I do fits, care a little better. bit about looks, but more so um, being lightweight is important to me because I, well, at least right now, because while I'm learning to shoot, being able to hold the gun up and keep my arm strength, um, I noticed after two rounds, I was done. So yep. it was very exhausting. So keeping it lightweight was really important. You'll notice, too, that your arms will get... Um, your arm strength, if you have weight in the in the stock of your shotgun too, yeah. it'll actually make the shotgun heavier, but move the balance point further back, which yeah. puts more of the more of the weight on your body than in your hands. Okay. That's something you can look at too. But you have to be and be careful about, <clears throat> excuse me, about your I'm going to say use the term whippiness when you're yeah. chasing a target from behind. Are you going to get too far ahead of it? If you're going to start in front of your target, stay in front of your target. Are you going to be too now? If you develop the habit where you're always too far ahead of your target. You will win the Olympics eventually. Oh, that'd be cool, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, because we we all miss eighty percent of our misses are are um, below the target or we're behind the target. Like nobody I, shoots above and in front. I would say, yeah. Um, again, it was just my first time doing it. Went two weekends ago, and so 
I, I did find that I wasn't um, following it through. I was definitely behind. So it and went nice. If you, so point of impact is where you hit the target, right? Yes. Point of aim is where you point the target, point the shotgun. But the most important thing that I ever, that, that I ever was ever taught was your foot position to make sure that your body can follow through and make sure that you, your hold point where your gun is when you call for the bird and always make sure that's in front of where the target, never let the target get ahead of your bird. Or, pardon me, never get your target, get ahead of your barrels. You'd be a long way to getting a higher score. All right, cool. Thank you very much. I think Josh, you had a couple quick questions there. I think it was more about not so much the gun, but for competition, um, um, any other gear, uh, vest pouches or anything like that that you would recommend to go along with it? I'm a fan of the reactor pad that Browning sells. So if you okay. buy a Browning shooting vest, it'll often have a pocket inside uh, where the gun mounts. And they either come with, if you pay or, or not, the reactor pad, but you can buy them extra. Um, PAST sells a strap-on pad, which works really, really good for um, anywhere where you have a static mount on your gun. Uh, I've never seen anybody complete a sporting clay round that hasn't had, you know, they're pulling it and adjusting it and trying to get it to stay in the right spot. So uh, a good shooting vest, it really doesn't matter who makes it. I'm a... I'm a Browning fan who shoots a Beretta shotgun and both of my, both of my vests are both Browning. Um, the Browning reactor pad, I don't think there's anything as good as it is for an aftermarket insert or an insert in a pad. But other than that for gear, how much time, how much money, how much, how much do you want to spend? Like the, a choke wrench is a nice thing to have, you know, quite often a quarter will work or a loony will work to take the choke out of your gun. Yeah. Um, there are, there are cranks, there are ones that are like a key. There are guys that use an electric screwdriver with a choke wrench stuck in it to change their chokes. Like they're, they, there's, there's no limit to gear. Do you want a golf cart to take yourself around a side-by-side or -side, a, a razor? Like, do you want to carry your shells in a, in a, in a bag? Like I've seen guys with, that are, that are serial reloaders and all their shells are in a, in a shopping bag. I've seen guys yeah. that come out with a wooden crate. Like it's, do you reload your oyster? Yes, for sure. Do you, you really need is a pouch to put your shells in and, and a place to put your empties in? Yep. Basically, all you need. Yeah, so I, I, I was shoving them in my pocket and then they had a little uh, bucket beside for disposal afterwards. So, I mean, that was good. Um, so, on your semi autos, do you have a shell catch on them? I don't know. I just pick them up when I'm done. But you, who is who is asking if I reload? Me. I have, I can, I have the stuff to do it. But uh, a few years ago, there's a company out of Carberry, Manitoba. Um, they sell score shotgun shells, and I'm from that part of the world. So I went home and I brought home a few pallets of shotgun shells, and I haven't shot my way through those pallets of shotgun shells yet. <laughs> no, I wish I had that problem. I wish I had that. <laughs> I, I, I should I'd like to have double the inventory because they're I, I've seen shotgun shells the cheapest I've ever bought them uh we bought they were seven eighths ounce 14 50 feet per second Winchesters and they were 48 dollars a slab for like for a flat of 250 um tax in 
and I've paid as much as 18 bucks a box. So the price is all over the map, and I don't think we're in any position for the next year or two before they're back into reasonable position. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if I dust off my reloading machines again. Yeah, a few years ago, it wasn't really worth it reloading shotgun shells. You could buy them cheaper, but things are starting to change. Things, it's They're going up, so it, this is the time that you may want to think about getting a reloading shotgun. And if anybody needs an extra press, I'll put you to work and I'll give you one as payment, but you got to come work on the acreage for a while. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of well, press are we talking about? If I wasn't about? so far away, I would, I would definitely come uh, <laughs> I've got, I've got uh, three pawns in the Sworn 12-gauge presses progressives in one single stage <laughs> so well, jason uh, i, I hope we hope we answered some of your questions josh about why, why i didn't want you to get that turkish shotgun yeah. i got one more question though the one, okay. the one time i actually went to shoot trap i noticed all the old guys were wearing yellow uh yellow safety glasses and some even had like a little card that covered their left eye do you do you do uh do you do that well i'm blind in my right eye so i don't have to worry about covering one of them um, I absolutely like colored lenses. I prefer brown more often than anything else when I'm shooting uh, orange targets. The advantage to yellow is if your trap range happens to shoot black targets, it's moderately better. Um, for a long time, the vermilion purple lenses were the new hotness, but it's all about the lighting conditions that you're in. I wholeheartedly recommend good shooting glasses. Um, I use Rudy Projects or... I can't remember what brand my other ones are, but my favorites are my Rudy projects by far. But I had a really good pair of um, uh, just prescription safety glasses, tinted brown. And the I had a difference in the uh, bridge piece on my nose, so they actually sat high on my face. So that when you lean forward on the gun, you're still looking through the center of the lens. If you're going to get shooting glasses, go to a shooting optometrist. If your optometrist that you go to on a regular basis doesn't know anything about shooting and you need prescription lenses, go find one that can do shooting lenses. It makes a big difference. Oh, that's interesting. I never asked that question before. I guess I need to ask that question. Yes, because I have a a prescription safeties, and I mean, they had them all set up more for work environments, but I picked one that I felt was more specific to shooting. Um, just like overall, um, just wider set and it was all clear on the, the, off to the side so I could see properly, uh, in my peripheral vision. So, but they're not colored. Yeah. I get my eyes done. I always bring the slide to my 1911 to the optometrist. That's a good idea for, especially for pistol shooting. But again, again, for clays though, you're focusing far, right? So it's, it's a different, I would would need a a totally different focusing point for, for clays. Okay. So I bring my shotgun to the next optometrist appointment. (laughs) I would recommend at first. (laughs) If you, there, there, there is, there's a optometrist in in Edmonton, Barry Nolt. I I can't think it's Nolt or Nolt, but he advertised himself as the shooting optometrist. Yeah. We've got one up in Port Perry too, that all the, all the gun guys go to. Yeah. But I don't know. If, uh, here, I'll wrap up. I'll wrap up everything I've tried to get across to you in in one in one short bit. Buy a good quality gun. Get it fitted to you, and enjoy it. If you can't get, buy the best quality gun you can. You are not likely to overspend yourself in quality, especially if you stick to the Brettas, the Brownings, the 
Um, the B guns, the Italian B guns are great. Benelli, if you can get into the Parazzi game, get into it as fast as you can because that that's you know that's lifetime heirloom quality firearms. If you're going to go to the cheap route, know that you're going to replace it. Yeah. So because that's of my last I, name, I was thinking about Fausti. Where are they like? I they've become more popular. I don't know of any of anybody that shoots one. Um, <laughs> but there, I mean, there's lots of there's lots of lots of them out there. Uh, hang on a second. Same Zoli, the Franchi are really popular these days. Yeah, and but until you call it Franchi in front of a good Italian guy, yeah, and then you'll correct you call it Franchi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here, here I wrote I wrote something. Out. SKB is a Japanese built shotgun. It's fine. Moroku is a is the plant where the Browning Synergy shotguns were were built and the Satori's were built. So a Moroku shotgun is a Browning design made in Japan. They're fine. Um, SKB I find them to be heavy. Uh, but they last long time. Uh, a Baikal is a Russian shotgun. They will last, but they're, I find them uncomfortable to shoot. They're heavy and square, and they just don't swing well. Um, like I said, if you get they into... They actually look like they're a reasonable price, those Baikals. But I, I just yeah, think, I I think they're over... They're, I mean, or... if you need to drive nails into the ground when you're done, too, like they're heavy built, they're... <laughs> I, I'm just not a fan. But if you can get, like I said, Kohler, Kriegoff, Parazzi, Blazer, those are all, you know, things to aspire to. But if you're going to get into the game, if you go Beretta, Benelli, Browning, and stay there, you'll you'll get value for money. All right. Well, thank you very much for sharing that with us. We appreciate. Not a problem. Come come out west. I appreciate you taking the time out for the birthday party. And in a short notice, I really appreciate it, Jason. Not a problem. Enjoy yourselves, guys. Have a great night. Okay. Have a great weekend. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Event one, CCFR National Range Day is a day is created to recognize and celebrate the 2.3 million licensed gun owners who responsibly, legally, and safely own and use firearms in Canada. So they're going to make this an annual event. The first Saturday in June annually will be the National Range Day going forward. In 2022, it will fall on Saturday, June 4th. Uh, they also have a website for www.nationalrangeday.ca for more information and a ton of resources to aid everyone in making this a growing annual success. Uh, this is not going to be a CCFR branded initiative. They're trying to get all the organizations involved in it and all the ranges in it. So it will be a real grassroots Canadian community effort and we'll all need to invest in the effort. So I'm going to make a point of that, except it's a Saturday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you guys talked to your ranges? No, I haven't been in there yet. My club, I think someone else already brought it up, so I'm just gonna step back and let them do it. Yeah, that but you works. think they're but you think they're gonna do something? Uh, someone said they would, but I mean, it's like a lot of things you on Facebook, right? A lot yeah. of people have great ideas, but not a lot of execution. But I mean, you know what? I'll be really happy if they pull it off and pull off a great event. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I put it out there. I put it out there to the executive, and they seemed semi receptive to it. We have a meeting next month, so. We're going to talk about it. See what I guess it depends on who your range is with, but uh, the CCSA have a lot of uh, ranges, and so does the CCFR, and they tend to uh, get along very well. So I'm awesome. sure that the, the, the two organizations would support uh, any type of grassroots shooting day. Perfect. And well, okay, we got- I don't know. I know I know the CCFR still has a uh, lawsuit going against – they're still in court, so – I'm not sure if the NFA would, would participate in it. 
they've been kind of funny lately. Gotcha. Well, okay, we got and another event here. So, uh, hosting a Rimfire Nation Discovery Day at the Cornwall Handgun Club in Cornwall, Ontario. Uh, here's your chance to try out the different Rimfire competitions available. We'll have demo stations, equipment, and ammo available so you can try the different formats and equipment. Uh, you'll get a chance to see and try out the gear we use from mild to wild. Ooh, sounds fun. Uh, ammunition is included with the paid tickets, and all participants must purchase a ticket ahead of time. So uh, you are able to bring your own rifle and ammo, but you will still need to purchase a quote-unquote shooting ticket. Non-shooting visitors are welcome, but must still purchase a ticket. So they'll have a close range steel challenge stages, NRA small bore silhouette, outlaw rim fire precision series stages, and precision paper targets. Space is limited, so book your tickets now. Mike, I'm assuming you'll pop in that link there. Yeah, and... I, I clicked on the link though, Thomas, and it doesn't take me anywhere. I know when I clicked on it, it was a bad link, yeah. uh, but it's actually done by uh, Rick Antonio from the uh, the rim fire precision. He's running it. Oh, so perfect. when I clicked on the main one and let me put it in, in the show notes, but the, the second one to the registration it wouldn't let me do. Mm-hmm. So if you go on to their webpage, which is in there, the uh, events, the event it'll be in the one? show notes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. You can click on that one to get in there. Okay. Yeah. I the see only that. problem is it's, it's a long way. It's in, it's in long Sioux. So it's, 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 it's way up there. So. Well, it's in Cornwall. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just briefly pop in here as well. The Huron Fishing Game does have another two more ORPS matches in March. It will be March 5th and March 19th. And, of course, they do their five stand every Sunday. So if anybody's interested and in the area, uh, the non-members are welcome. So it's pretty cool. I recommend it. Sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. So no listener email, unfortunately. Actually, we haven't checked. We we have to do that. Uh, <laughs> we have to set up another address. When we go in there, there's there's a whole bunch of people get mad at us. So please send any feedback, questions, or comments to. Don't send it the email address. Send us a message. E- email us on the Facebook page. We'll get it right away then. Uh, or in our comment section of our website or at newshootercanada.ca. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and leave us a comment and rating on iTunes. Have you seen our Facebook likes have been shooting through the roof the last couple of weeks? Oh, they've been amazing. So uh, really loving all the love. Awesome. Thank you. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody have any closing comments? Now that was very informative. Uh, thanks for bringing. Yeah, thanks for organizing that. For, yes, please. You're welcome. Yeah, talk so. about matching a, a great uh, a great guest for a topic. I couldn't think of anything better than anybody better than Jason for the topic. Yeah, was... and he's a nice guy. He just he's, he's got a very nice calming voice. He's and he's just nice a nice guest to have on the show. Yep. Totally. So shout outs. Well, let's throw George under the bus. He didn't show up and he said he would because he met to met him on last week. Oh, same with Wanda. We're throwing her under the bus because she said that she'd be on the show this weekend. She didn't show up either. So but they, but they showed up at my party. So <laughs> <laughs> still that's still one better than Mike, right? <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. Okay. Jeez. So they just get one bump. Uh, so I don't have any shout outs this week. It's it's just been a really crazy week. Just I I've, actually my shout outs to you guys. This show wouldn't be here uh, for you guys, especially for Mike for all the work and editing and uploading you do. So um, 
we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you three. So thank you very much for coming on the show and helping things run the way they do. Well, well, after that, I have to say thank you to Thomas for bringing on another fantastic guest. Cause that's, I think, two in a row now. That is two in a row. Thomas is on a roll. I know. Thomas has always been the guest person. I, I, I'm antisocial, which is ironic because I do a podcast, <laughs> but I am actually antisocial. So, like, I, I rarely ever get guests. And it's just because I don't talk to people. I don't I don't like talking to people. Um, so I really do appreciate that Thomas does bring on all these excellent guests. It really does make the show better. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, because people get bored listening to us all the time. How is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> well, Amanda definitely helps. Things have improved since we had the female presence on the show. Ooh. Well, I appreciate that too. Yep. So. Well, then I'll just shout out Amanda for the amazing <laughs> surprise party, and thank you very much to the NSC crew that showed up. I it really meant a lot to me, and I can't believe you guys came out. That was just awesome. So thank you very much. And the the awesome volunteers at the Huron Rod and Gun, and that's my new favorite place lately. So thanks for everything you guys do. How, yeah. Sorry, quick question. Nice little range. How far away is that Huron Rod, Rod and Gun Club from you? Half an hour. That is so nice. Yeah, we're, we're going to join. Yeah. Yes. So then we'll, we'll be members of both. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's very reasonable. There is no initiation fee Yeah, there's fee no initiation fee, which is crazy. There's just... It's a hundred. It's for a couple's membership. It's a hundred and forty dollars. Yeah. Wow. That's more than reasonable. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and it's it's called the farm, so it's got a very <laughs> it's got a very cool ass. Um, well, they have feel to yeah, it. They the, have, the they have the, yeah. the clays, the the sporting clays, the uh, two hundred yard range. We only have a hundred yard, so that's kind of cool. They do have a, a handgun range, but I that's a separate endorsement, so you'd have to pay for that separately which I, I won't do because I have my own club for that. So I'll just use this club for the for the clays mainly and the 200-yard range. So well, it works yeah. out good for me. Yeah, definitely. So I really like it there so far. So good anyway. You can go, go for dinner and you spend 140 bucks, right? So yeah, why not? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll give a shout out. Uh, Thomas, thank you so much for, um, you know, last minute and uh, providing your time to help some of the new shooters and for driving all the way out. I really appreciated that. Um, it kind of took a load off on me and it really just reminded me what a great community we have. Um, and that goes along with Bill and Lacey, our neighbors who helped to keep the secret in the ruse and Bill who got Josh there. And then Bill ended up shooting with George and Wanda on the outdoor <laughs> range and kind of being more of their range officer out there. So I really appreciated that. Oh yeah, he was um, stuck outside all day with them. Yeah, I know, I know. So, but you know what? He loved it. Oh, and I and I and Wanda wants a Cooey. Yeah, Wanda wants a Cooey. She shot Bill's uh, Cooey thirty nine, and now she wants one. Yeah, yeah, she does. So I also thank Matt and uh, of course all the executive members at the Melbourne Rod and Gun for all the help hosting a successful event. Uh, we also have some potential new shooters, like I said, Wanda, George. And I think uh, it was Wanda's son and girlfriend who were also thinking of joining as well. So yeah, I think they all want to join. Yes, they all. Want, I think they really do. So, you know, it went the way more than what I expected. There was way more that happened than I expected it to. But everybody kind of just took part and gave me a hand in a, a situation that I never ever dreamed of, and I never had that before. So, just reminds me about how much I love our community 
really and truly. So, cause we all want to share the love of our sport. We all want to have a good time and, you know, just be together. It's, it was, it was great to have that again, right? We're at the point where we're near the end of this nonsense with COVID. So it was nice to have a sense, a small sense of normalcy again. So thank you so much, everybody. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. It was, it was a fantastic event. It was nice to see that you pulled it off with a surprise. Josh had no idea. And it was nice seeing the kids. Everybody's been, you know, so locked up and confined. It was kind of nice to have a bit of normalcy for a change, which was nice. Agreed. Okay, so until next week, keep your barrels pointed downrange and smoking. Time spent at the range is time spent with family. Choose your caliber wisely. And go ahead and shoot like a girl. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a good night. 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 I really like 22 Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. The way they look, I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. They're for sale till I want them all. I like guns. I like guns, I like guns.